This is an AMI podcast. I'm Chuita Gupta and this is The Pulse. In fall 2015, my husband was diagnosed with stage 3 cancer. It came as a terrible shock. As a patient, his life underwent a major upheaval. But despite that, we continued to find comfort and joy in food. We quickly realized that there was a relationship between what we ate as a family and his health outcomes. As he underwent treatments, we found that eating the right foods helped manage symptoms, addressed fatigue, and maintained strength. Taking charge of what we ate provided both of us a sense of control in our lives. Despite the ups and downs of his cancer journey, food has remained a constant companion. Today, we discuss nutrition, health, and cancer survivorship. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to the Pulse on AMI Audio. I'm your host Jyotha Gupta. Please excuse any background noise because this show is being hosted and produced from home as is other AMI Audio live programming. If you'd like to keep up with the news related to COVID-19, please visit our website ami.ca/covid19. My guests today are wellness chef Jeremy Capone and registered dietitian Stephanie Gladman. Together, they lead Elixir Kitchen, which is part of the Cancer Rehabilitation and Survivorship Program under the Princess Margaret Cancer Center in Toronto. Jeremy and Stephanie, welcome to the Pulse. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. So, Jeremy, let me start by asking you, what is Elixir Kitchen, and how did you get involved? Okay. Yeah. So um, we have been working at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center for about the last ten years, and essentially, it's a, it's a cooking and nutrition program uh, dedicated to uh, developing resources and teaching uh, cancer survivors about healthy eating, uh, nutrition around side effect management, and uh, just easy, accessible recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, We started out of a research project to develop uh, recipes for colorectal cancer patients, and it was a team of uh, registered dietitians from Princess Margaret Cancer Center, with some researchers from from Elixir and uh, George Brown College, which is our culinary and hospitality uh, academic institute in uh, the mm-hmm. city of Toronto. And I was a student there at the time, so that's that's how I got involved initially, and then. We developed into uh, this uh, kitchen program, which is a little more interactive. Well, we'll talk a little more about the kitchen program. But Stephanie, let me just get you in here for a moment because Jeremy pointed out that this came out of a research project. But I believe that the Elixir Center runs a number of programs outside of the kitchen program that we're talking about today. Just give us a brief overview of some of the other things that go on in that space. Yeah, for sure. So um, the Elixir space is kind of a wonderful hub that also facilitates a variety of exercise programs as well. So we do have a gym set up there where patients could come in. They interact with other health professionals like kinesiologists, physiatrists, uh, occupational therapists, and physiotherapists. 
to kind of get programs, exercise programs that are tailored to their specific needs. Um, so for example, you know, depending on the surgery that they got or, you know, the, their radiation treatment, it might affect their movement. So kind of in order to work through that um, exercise is you know, obviously um, important. In addition, we lead, um, there's kind of different rooms within our center to have other education classes. So we do offer, well, this is usually, obviously group classes are not happening at this time, but we have a program where uh, people will come in for eight weeks to do their exercises um, for an hour. And then the second hour is education classes. So, of course, you know, nutrition and cooking is one of them, but we lead other classes around um, fatigue management or managing emotions, learning about mindfulness techniques as well. So it's really a hub, I would say, for um, not only nutrition, but general health and wellness. Jeremy, you mentioned that it's an interactive program that The Kitchen Now offers. And Stephanie pointed out that you're not doing that right now because of COVID-19. But before the pandemic, give us a sense of some of the programming that you would offer. How often would people meet in the space? And I am given to understand that you also still had an online component before COVID-19. So give us a, a sense of the programming you offered as part of The Kitchen program. Yeah, absolutely. We I think we both uh, missed the kitchen very much at, the, at this time, but um, it was a pretty exciting space. Um, you know, uh, over the last, like I said, like 10 years, we have uh, really lucky to have a really nice uh, kitchen space there. And out of that kitchen, we, we run different types of classes. So we have uh, monthly classes where they're open to anybody. Uh, so we usually get like 30, 40 people um, come join us in the class, and Steph and I will teach um, three recipes, uh, again, usually specific to oncology, sometimes just general health, where it is more demonstration style, and uh, participants do get a chance to interact and ask questions and, and try the food, which I think is obviously probably one of the most exciting parts. Um, and then we're also part of, uh, of the cancer... Uh, rehab eight week course. So it's a little more interactive. Uh, we teach uh, a class with about eight to 10 patients um, and they actually get to cook alongside uh, with us, um, which, you know, we feel is, is just a great way to, to transmit the knowledge uh, mm-hmm. to them. Um, and we also run a few other research projects out of the kitchen as well, looking to see uh, the effectiveness of a more interactive cooking and nutrition uh, model versus if it was, you know, just information on a pamphlet or in a book. Um, so it, we're a pretty active space and, and we still try to do as much as possible online. Uh, like you mentioned, we did have an online presence prior to this. Um, you know, for, for a while, we've always believed that it's important to teach beyond uh, the walls uh, of of our space um, and to to utilize technology to really reach anyone who needs our resources. Um, this is, you know, cancer is obviously affects uh, a lot of people, uh, if not directly, and, you know, you might know someone with it. And it's important to, to get, uh, you know, a lot of the work that Stephanie puts together and a lot of the recipes that we, we put together out there. So, um, we are still pretty active online, and it's something that uh, 
you know, we're still growing um, with, but um, still excited to be a part of it. The voices that you're hearing are Jeremy Capone, who is a wellness chef, as well as Stephanie Gladman, who's a registered dietitian. And they are both together leading the Elixir Kitchen in at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center in Toronto. We're talking nutrition, we're talking health, and we're talking about the role that food plays in cancer survivorship. Stephanie, one of the things that you seem very interested in, based on some of my previous reading, is just translating the wall of noise around nutrition. Like I feel like we hear different things every day. And translating that into digestible bits and making it simple and accessible to people. So Jeremy talked about an interactive approach. How does that interactive approach that Jeremy talked about dovetail with this idea that nutrition doesn't have to be intimidating? Yeah, very good question. Thanks. Um, well, I'll just add that, you know, every class that we do, especially the private, like small, little, smaller groups, in that, you know, hour or whatever that we're, or two hours that we have the class, we generally kind of, uh, well, I provide um, at least 20 to 30 minutes of laying down the land, I call it, of nutrition. So kind of the basics. Um, and again, like you said, in digestible parts, you know, I think that, you know, everybody has their own opinion on food because we all eat. It's such a personal interaction that we have. And so, you know, everybody is different and needs different things. And sometimes it can be really overwhelming with the information that people hear in the news and the media because, you know, they don't know necessarily to dive a little bit deeper, find incredible sources, whether the studies were looking at, you know, a specific group that actually per- pertained to them. So in our classes, we really try hard to kind of lay down that foundational knowledge in nutrition, like what does basic eating or, you know, general healthy eating look like? based on meal patterns and research and science, and then specifically tailoring it to the audience in front of us. And so, you know, during treatment or even after cancer treatment, many of our patients, you know, have longer term uh, side effects. And this could include taste changes. It could be um, digestive issues. It could be cancer-related fatigue. And so it's really important as a registered type dietitian, I find to communicate to people that, you know, healthy eating and eating well might look different for these folks based on what their side effects are, right? So for example, you know, somebody who's experiencing digestive issues, sometimes fiber is a go ahead and sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's going to be controversial to what they might be. Um, you know, told in the past. And so, you know, we lay down the nutrition kind of foundation. And then once Jeremy starts making the recipes, it's highlighted through the different ingredients that we're using. And so, you know, it's, it is really important to, in group settings, you know, somebody might ha- have experienced something and then they share it with somebody else. And that's really valuable. Um, and so, you know, together as a group, you know, I'm there in a way to facilitate any information that might be not accurate, let's say, or to encourage that those points. So it does take a little bit of, it's, it's, a, it's an art and a science, um, I would say. Um, in facilitating sometimes. We 
talked a little bit about setting the foundations of nutrition science. We talked about tailoring that knowledge to the specifics of a cancer survivor's reality. But let me bring you up to speed with a debate that has been raging in my household for quite some time. I am all for making food healthy, but my husband contends that healthy food doesn't have to be bland or boring. Uh, but I think that's a perception that a lot of people have, that the healthier you eat, the more boring the food tends to be. How do you feel about it? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I think that comes up pretty often in, in our kitchen as well. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, no, it, it definitely doesn't have to be boring. Healthy food has you know, had this bad connotation of you know, void of flavor, uh, void of excitement. Um, uh, but I think, you know, even if you look at the food industry in general over the last few years, that that outlook is starting to change a little bit, right? We're, we're I think, more knowledgeable with how to use food. You know, food literacy is, is slowly going up and, and how to use ingredients. And, um, you know, I think Toronto is, you know, we're, we're very lucky to be exposed to so many different food cultures and cuisines um, that we're kind of spoiled with uh, all the different uh, ingredients and accessibility to all these ingredients. But, um, yeah, no, I, I would say from from our point of view out of the Elixir Kitchen, we definitely do not try to make food boring. And it is healthy, and that is definitely... Uh, uh, the a big part of our pillar of uh, teaching here, but but we try to make things unique. We try to make things interesting, you know, diving into uh, some of the different uh, cultural cuisines um, is is just, you know, it's an exciting way to make food taste good, but also mm -hmm. healthy at the same time. Right. Uh, you, you brought up food literacy, so Jeremy, but I'm going to turn to the dietitian in the room, Stephanie. Give us a few definitions. What is food literacy? What is nutrition literacy? When we use those terms, what are we talking about? Well, I think it comes down to having ingredients that are available quite easily in the kitchen or like in grocery stores. So having things like using ingredients that are quite accessible for everybody, you know, whether that is spices or vegetables or fruit, you know, you could really get into, you know, different aspects. But I will say, like, given the fact that we live in Toronto, a multicultural city, it's super easy for people to have access to a lot of things. And then secondly, you know, budget. So we are very, very focused on all the recipes and anything that we make to really make sure that we're not making things too costly. And, you know, I will just add to what Jeremy was saying earlier that we have specific guidelines for making, we don't just put the term healthy out there, right? So I use that in quotation marks because again, it could mean something totally different to, to different people. And there are scientific, you know, kind of guidelines as to how much sodium somebody should be eating in a day, how much fat, um, you know, stuff like that. So when we're making our recipes, we kind of tailor it to these specific guidelines. And they're based on heart health. They're based on, you know, the cancer research in terms of decreasing risk of recurrence, blood pressure guidelines. Uh, we look at the Mediterranean diet as well. So incorporating lots of anti-inflammatory foods, lots of antioxidants 
accidents, et cetera. So, um, you know, we, in terms of literacy, we're using specific guidelines and sharing that in practical ways that people can easily find these ingredients and um, use the things to make really, really yummy, delicious recipes. Um, and the last thing I would say is, you know, we're using the tools people will have in their houses. So, you know, we're not cooking with, you know, I don't know, um, some sort of machinery um, that not everybody will have. So, and if we are using something, we'll always give options, um, whether, you know, somebody could buy something that's already pre-sliced or that they could kind of do it in a different way. Mm. Uh, Jeremy, it's funny that Stephanie should mention the Mediterranean diet because if I had ever wanted falafels before my husband got sick, I went to a restaurant. After he got sick, because I realized that it was such a healthy diet, I actually learned to make a lot of Mediterranean food at home and I've been eating you know, healthily on that diet and other things, of course, ever since. So let me sort of cycle back to some of the work that you're doing in the in the kitchen right now virtually. You've got all of these videos and a blog, a very active blog, that you update with recipes. So during COVID-19, what are some of the programs that you're offering? What What are some of your videos about? So we have we have a few spots and, and where people can access our content. Uh, mm-hmm. Off of our website, um, which is elixirkitchen.ca, all of our recipes that we've ever taught in the class together uh, are archived there. Um, and um, not only the recipe itself, but a video from our class teaching the recipe is is available as well. So you can watch us prepare it um, while you, you cook along. Um, and those recipes are archived not only by meal type, um, so you can search by um, vegetarian mains or beverages or soups or desserts, but... Um, uh, Stephanie and I have also categorized them by side effect uh, as well. So uh, if you if you did want to needed to dig a little deeper, you can you can find recipes that are appropriate for appetite loss or fatigue or uh, nausea. Some of the side effects that Stephanie was mentioning before. Um, so that's sort of our hub for our recipes, um, and we're we're continuing to add recipes to to that section. But uh, I would say with our, our social media, our Instagram and our Twitter channel, that's, that's been sort of our hotspot as of late. Um, uh, we're trying to not only push out some of the existing content that we have, but Stephanie and I have been uh, you know, as creative as possible to, to create uh, new recipes and new nutrition tip videos uh, from our own homes, right? So um, we're using the technology available to to film some cooking at home uh, videos, we call it. And we've been posting that on our, on our Twitter channel uh, as well. The new exciting thing that we're actually working on now is uh, to host uh, some live classes on our YouTube channel. Uh, mm. So, you know, trying to make it as similar to the experience uh, that we offered in the kitchen, obviously without the, the food itself uh, to try, but um, uh, we're trying to keep it as, as interactive as possible in there as well. That sounds like you're doing a lot. Stephanie, we've got a few minutes left and I want to give you the last word. Tell me a little bit about how food and nutrition acts as a complement to, and this is important to state, and not as a replacement for treatment. So there's probably a bit of a push and pull there 
uh, how do you actually conceptualize food and nutrition as complementing the treatments that people are going through? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, and thank you for, you know, the interest in everything here. Um, you know, I think, again, it comes down to what are some of the side effects that the individual is experiencing. Um, you know, you have some people who go on treatment and they don't have an appetite. So the focus there is, okay, you know, we need to focus on getting that person energy so that they can go through their treatment so they can recover so that they continue to, you know, rebuild their muscles and their cells and, you know, kind of going in that direction. We have other people who are experiencing um, cancer-related fatigue. That's such a common common thing. Um, and again, you know, they don't have the energy, they don't want to cook. Um, you know, through research, we know that, you know, it's in- important to encourage them to have smaller meals throughout the day to really focus on fibers to focus on proteins to hydrate, right. So, um, you know, depending on the individual and the case, there will be some different nutrition tips. But certainly, of course, there is never one specific food or diet that is going to prevent cancer or to reduce the risk of recurrence, but it is part of the process and it is supporting somebody's immune health. It's supporting their energy. You know, obviously exercise is also really important, but, you know, food does play that role. So, you know, I think it's a puzzle piece in the in the, in the system. Um, and like I said earlier, it's something that is so personal, right? Like you're ingesting something into your body. Um, and so that, that's a very personalized relationship that I think um, everybody feels really strongly about. And there's so many questions and there's so much, you know, information out there. And so it is really important to get advice from a healthcare professional, like a registered dietitian, um, in order to tailor someone's needs specifically. Um, And so, you know, in the kitchen and in the practice, you know, I I really, really suggest that it's important for people to personalize things for their specific goals, needs, wants, um, because nutrition, like I said, is that is a really important puzzle piece to vitality, energy, um, staying strong and um, continuing to rebuild and re-energize even after treatment. Stephanie and Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the program. It was such a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having us. Appreciate that. That was Jeremy Capone, a wellness uh, chef, and Stephanie Gladman, registered dietitian with the Elixir Kitchen that runs out of the Princess Margaret Cancer Center in Toronto. Check out elixirkitchen.ca for more information about their programming, and you can find their YouTube channel for their videos as well. If you missed any of our conversation today or would like to check out previous episodes of The Pulse, please find the podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. As we head out today, I'd just like to say that food can be so many things to so many people. It is a source of health and nutrition that becomes doubly important when you have an underlying health condition like cancer or diabetes for that matter. But food does so many more things for us. It allows us a sense of normalcy in our lives. It allows us to get together with friends and family. And it gives us a sense that we have agency, even if we go through a major disruption because of a health crisis such as that brought about by cancer. I want to thank our guests today, Jeremy Capone and Stephanie Gladman, for being on the program. The Pulse is produced 
by Enrique Delanrold. Sam Robinson is our technical producer. Andy Frank is the manager of AMI Audio. And Paula Deneen is the technical supervisor at AMI Audio. Most of all, thank you for listening to the program. Please give us your feedback. You can find us on Twitter at AMI Audio. Use the hashtag PulseAMI. And of course, we'll be back with more on the Pulse on AMI Audio. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.